You don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. Part of this whole gray man concept thing, part of the things I've said before and have written in papers and articles, is that part of what the gray man does, whether it's a professional or you're just trying to learn about it, do it at home for fun, whatever it is, is they develop source networks of winning or unwitting participants in order to gain information to become intelligence. What does that mean? It means they actually go around and develop, manage, and maintain multiple relationships in different fields at different times for different reasons. It actually is a lot like what we do every day, whether it's new coworkers and new friends, a new group we joined, a book club, somebody at church, whatever it is. The difference is they're doing it with intent in order to get something. I mean, you might have thought, I want to make that guy my friend, but you probably didn't think you wanted to exploit him to do it unless he's got the network, network password. So it really depends on what your purpose is. But I'm going to tell you not only how we do that, the warning signs that can make those relationships go bad. And I think this is actually good because... You may not care about this, but it's going to make so much sense when you hear it. It actually might help you somewhere else in some other relationship, whether it's familial, friend, uh, casual, acquaintance, maybe even romantic. And romantic is going to be the basis of how I'm going to explain some of this stuff. But all this stuff happens in these professional source and assets relationships that we have to manage. And I'm going to show you some ways to look out for these warning signs and maybe how to deal with it for you right here on Grayman. I didn't complain sight. It's really the small things that make the biggest difference. Most of the time we hear that in the positive, but that actually can build up and be the negative. These are things to look for in any relationship. A lot of the examples, I'll use romantic ones, but these are things we actually have to look out for. Because one of the biggest concerns of somebody that, say, has the detainee they're interrogating or a source, they're working with, they're an asset they've recruited, it's falling in love with your source, wanting to protect them too much. Or literally falling in love with them. This has actually been talked about. In fact, Ma, was it Mark or Mike Polymeropoulos, who was a CIA officer, essentially described that when he did the Sean Ryan show. Essentially was describing that he fell in love with the sources. Not in a romantic sense, but he became too attached and it was very difficult for him even to pass them on. So there's common relationship things. When I learned about this, it was nice because I could translate this to my own life, although I totally failed to do that at times I needed to. One of the things to look out for is when something you do or maybe this could be, I'll probably say it from the point of view like you're doing it, but it could be the opposite. Somebody does this towards you is treat something that has been done with suspicion. Typically, we'll see it as gifts. 
Like, I remember buying flowers for this girl I was dating one time just because I thought it would be a nice surprise. And the first thing I was asked by another girl was what I did wrong. And my thought was, I know exactly how you've been treated. But when they're treated with suspicion, now sometimes that's fair because actually we set the conditions. Men are so easy to train, ladies. You just don't realize it. You actually don't realize how much you train them in a bad way. But if something like flowers for a mistake works and we realize it works, we'll try it again. In fact, we'll do it too many times because we're simple. Not that we don't try to be complex or try to make things harder, but why try harder to fix something that ain't broken when I can just do the simple thing that works? Other reasons are, though, because people have committed major crimes like infidelity. The other reasons are just the way people have grown up that may have nothing to do with relationships that may have to do with gifts, but realizing gifts can be an act of suspicion. The other thing, too, is long-term relationships, even romantic ones, where the gifts only ever seem to come on a birthday and Christmas and maybe the anniversary, and then one shows up out of nowhere, could look bad. Or it could be suspicion, although the person hopes maybe it's something cool, something good happened at work. You went and bought me this really nice gift before you got the money from the raise or promotion you figured you were going to get, which is a stupid way to treat money, but whatever. But when they're looked on with suspicion, that's a very bad thing. It's not something we want, and it's something needs to be addressed. Nobody should project their insecurities on somebody in that manner. Because if you're the one who's insecure in giving the gifts, you're projecting by giving that gift. You just don't realize it. And a lot of times the person who's insecure is the one who's being suspect of the gift or gesture that's being made. That needs to be addressed. Why do you have that insecurity? And you'll find a lot of times it actually has to do with you. Another one that's a big one is the jokes. The jokes and poking fun at your partner. Now, in general, that can be fun. It can be a tease, something that's an inside joke between the two of you. Maybe it's an acceptable area that we do around our close friends on very, very rare occasions. Should never be used as a way to test boundaries. Don't do that. That's called game playing. Adults and mature men of value don't like it. And I'm sure that's true of the women too. But an example is my sister, she died about 11 years ago. But when she was alive, she was married to a piece of shit. This guy's a piece of shit human. One of the shittiest things he did, well, it's not the shittiest actually, but it's a pretty bad thing, was when my wife first got married. I mean, I must have been eight or nine years old. So I don't think she was 20 when she got married. And one of the first times that they cooked together in their new place, she had made some dish. All I remember is it had rice in it and involved a frying pan, so it could have been rice aroni. And I do remember, because she, to the point of exhaustion when she was saying it years later, just messed up something and accidentally grabbed salt or used the wrong measurement for salt. So it was really salty. So I was there when it happened. We'll start with that. And like, I just thought he wasn't a nice man. This was the first infraction of two that took me to realize I didn't like the guy. And then when I grew up an adult, I realized he was a piece of shit. But like he was laughing at her and going after her in a passive aggressive, just terribly shitty way and made her feel like shit. And he didn't care. In fact, I remember him being mad at her later for being upset at him. And the thing was, he knew why it wasn't a, I don't know why you're mad. He knew. And he just kept laughing at her over years and years at bigger family gatherings with more people around. He would bring that up, humiliate her, embarrass her. Bring it up in front of other people. These are super red flags and bad signs. She should have divorced that fucker before she ever had a kid because of the way she was treated. 
Those are terribly bad things in the way they go down. So teasing, light teasing that you agree on. We're not testing boundaries. These are things that are acceptable. And all you have to do is have the conversations. That's all you got to do. I've seen people lose sources because they pull a simple little joke at them that they would do to one of their coworkers or to one of their soldiers, not realizing that joke crossed the line, not realizing it insulted them, forgot about the culture thing. And then they would play it down and act like the guy that was upset, that was their source of vital intelligence, it may not have been vital, it was still intelligence, was the one in the wrong. And they were shitty collectors because of it. And so that's the thing you have to look out for. Another thing, though, is interest. Like, there's a reason why we tell people, and this is a 50-50 split, men and women do it equally. When you go on a date, you don't talk about yourself. It's okay to talk about yourself when they're asking you questions. You divulge that information that you're willing to give and have a fun conversation and you have some back and forth. But you shouldn't just be talking about yourself without being prompted. You know? Or how was your day? Oh, my day was good. Oh, it wasn't so great. How was yours? Move the fuck on. Don't go on in details because you weren't asked that question yet. Don't answer follow-ups that haven't been asked. So instead, we show interest in the other person. Show them we're interested. Show them we care about what they have to say. Show them we can sit there and actively listen. Show them that we see them a person of value that can hold a conversation by showing interest by asking about them. Those are good things. The problem is there's some relationships, ones have been on for 40, 50 years, where they actually do everything else pretty well. But what's killing their relationship is that goes away. There's a complete lack of interest. And here's the thing. I don't care who you are. You don't know everybody that well. I've seen people try to pull that card in my own family, and I'd laugh at them and prove them wrong. There are things that that other person does. At that point, you are not involved. With. I seriously doubt they are at the hip all the time together doing everything. I suppose it's possible, but no. Like my mother grew up and, or was, I was growing up, was always involved in church, did a lot of stuff at church. She ran children's church. She worked there for a while. She did different things like that. She was a missionary, did a bunch of different things. Her husband was not involved in church at all. And I think he went to a couple of Christmas plays, right? That's a prime example of where he could have very easily shown interest in what she was doing. But he didn't want to. He just said it was church stuff. She could have showed interest just in what he was doing when he was home alone. But she already knew. He was sitting there drinking coffee, watching football. That's not all he did because I was there sometime. But that lack of interest is a bad thing because that can be one of the many ways you can develop intimacy. By showing each other that their lives, they have individual lives, even if only for a few hours on a Sunday. They have individual lives from you. And it's vital to your relationship that you... Appreciate and understand what that life is like for them. The other thing, too, is it helps you learn more, even nuanced information. And the more you know and handle appropriately, the more, or I guess I should say, the easier it is to navigate that relationship. And see, this was, especially in interrogations, where it's hard to get guys to talk, but even with sources, was a problem. Because you had to show an interest in them. You had to get them talking. This is actually where you would go, was interest there's plenty of guys who are successful interrogations where a separate interrogation that got the successful interrogations going yielded no information where they go in and just have lunch with them. Or they had some bio data and go in and talk about their kids, ask how public education worked. Something they had expressed interest or concern about and they would just show the interest. And that's how they would develop the relationship and that's how trust would get built. I'm telling you, there's so many things about this world that could change the relationships and dynamics of so many people. 
around the world. I'm using romantic example, but this is true with casual friendships, close friendships, business partnerships. It doesn't matter the type of romantic relationship. Oh, and kids, my God. Sitting around the table, how was school? What'd you learn in French class? That's not how you show interest. Do it privately, one-on-one. Build that type of intimacy. Intimacy doesn't have to be sexual. There's different types of intimacy, just like there's different types of love. You love your children, not the way you love your wife, not the way you love your dog, and not the way you love your mama. And the thing is, there's an example. I remember this lady. I saw, no, I was listening to the radio show. This lady had written a book. And uh, this one part of it was pretty good. She was talking about how her life as a mom. And she's like, I don't hate my kids. I don't slave away making dinner. I don't. I make this kind of food. I do this, but I do do it every night. It's part of my regular routine. They're expected to come there and eat dinner with us. And I got this daughter. I think it was a daughter. She's 15 now or something, right? So there's that age, as people say, which any number comes with the phrase that age. And then sometimes she puts a little effort into it or even makes things she knows is going to be nice for this kid that day or her husband that day or her son that day or something. She knows there's going to be leftovers. She's fine giving to the dog. She does that. Just this little extra thing. Something... By the way, this little thing goes unappreciated. But she says sometimes her daughter's like, yeah, I don't want to eat this. And just doesn't care what anybody says. And walks away, goes to her room, eats stale Doritos, drinking warm, old soda from yesterday, getting on Snapchat, making fun of her friends or whatever. And she's like, that little bitch. <laughs> she was pissed. And I bet a lot of people are like that. But they don't appreciate those little things that people are doing. And they don't take interest. And that's part of taking interest because part of taking interest might be finding out in a nice way, like, what is it? What's happening? Not why did you walk? There's clearly a problem. Find out first. If it's something, it's a legit problem. And if it's not, find out why they're demonstrating disrespect and walk away from the table and then set down boundaries. Show a little control, but show some interest. Do it one-on-one. So it helps you with those aspects and making it easier to navigate. But they don't make those. Those are challenging. Those are hard. That's confrontation. So they actually, by doing nothing, make the relationship harder to navigate. That's a parent to a child. But child to a parent can go the same way. Another thing, too, is compromise, which I've, I've dealt with myself. thing is, going back to interest, and we have these things that are different. We have different likes and dislikes. I've heard people, oh my God, we're so the same. We're so in tune. We complete each other's senses and we, we like these things. And they'll stuff like 10 or 20 things. Like, Shut the fuck up. There are far more things in this world you like and far more things in this world you dislike than that. There's no way you can't make me a list of 100 things. <laughs> I guarantee if I start asking you questions, what about this? What about this? Right? I once made a list for a game down of all the things I liked that I knew I liked. Like if you said, if you like, what was your favorite this? Right? I just made that list. And while what, what, reading the list, I realized the people I knew in my life, like even if I did it today, even my family, even my closest friends, how much they don't know about me or that they would get wrong. It was amazing. But the thing is, part of comp- compromise is you're standing up for yourself. You're able to set boundaries and you're able to demonstrate what's important to you. And if something's not important to you, you can communicate why so they can appreciate that, why you can learn to appreciate why it's important to them and develop that compromise. And here's the thing about compromise. Everybody thinks it's 50-50. That's stupid. If 50-50, so the easy math is to say 100%. So if I said, what's compromise or what's the middle of 100%, most people would say 50, and I think that's dumb. 
if you have 100%, then your lowest number is 1%, right? So in my mind, the way I look at it is everything in the middle is the middle. That is to say, a compromise you make with somebody, because what's what do they say about negotiations, like for business? You know, or they, I think they said it recently with the debt deal or something, you know, you walk away from the table, nobody's happy, that's when you got a good deal, Right. There are times when effective, reasonable, appropriate compromise is 2%, meaning only 2% in somebody's favor. And there's going to be time it's going to be 98 in somebody's favor, and there's time it's going to be 17, it's going to be 63, it's going to be 49, might be 50, might be 81. I don't understand why, why people want to measure dicks, because what it does is put you in this contrast to argument how much is more important, how much is this, and who much got more, like two little kids breaking a piece of gum in half and bitching because one's bigger than the other and it's really hard to tell without a micrometer. Don't turn it into a contest because it's not what it is. It's a relationship. may not be one that involves love, but it's a relationship. Compromise can be done where everybody's happy. That's possible. All you got to do is put your ego aside because most of the time, that's the problem is the ego. And this helps you build a better relationship. This actually can help them last longer. Why? Because compromise is a code name for a phrase I like to call teamwork. If you don't compromise, you're not on the same team. I was in a relationship with somebody. It was a short one, but it was a relationship. And she didn't compromise. She had this idea in her head of what relationships should be. and She knew what she wanted. She always said, yeah, but I know what I want. I'm just like, yeah, but you're forgetting. No matter who you do it with, there's always another person involved. You just don't get to dictate to them how things are going to go. That's not how relationships work. You don't. And she's like, well, I've been in relationships. Well, how many? Well, two. And they were this long. And I was like, yeah, but those, one was abusive. The other one was questionable. I was like, I don't think you know how to be in a relationship. You surely don't know how to compromise. And I tried to have the conversations with her, but she was not interested in them, which was a no-go for me. And that creates things like fights. And you know what? If you stop fighting, that's a problem. Now, obviously you don't want to fight the gray man relationships. But fightings are arguments. People have different definitions of fighting. Some people say it ain't fighting until punches are thrown. And I've seen people, I've seen girls react like it's the end of the fucking world because they had a minor disagreement where nobody was raising voices, nothing. Like, yeah, I just don't. That's not how I think. And like, oh my God, we had a fight. Like, I'm sure guys do that too. But I'm like, really? So let's just call fighting disagreements. Because I remember there was something I heard recently, some f- relationship people, life life coach, whatever, fake bullshit. Oh, yeah, we've been married for 40 years or 50 years, and we've never had a fight. You are a fucking liar. <laughs> they even described it, and they described their lie. They had disagreements and issues all the time. The thing is, they were very like-minded, in many things and although it wasn't what they would disagree on what they were like-minded in was how to handle disagreements and have discussions and healthy arguments and proper ways to deal with them from day one so fucking lucky they just didn't realize that fighting is arguments and they were doing it all the time like everybody else they just got lucky and figured out how to navigate it so it's like you liars because that's the thing try to define fighting and ask somebody about it you know what's going to come down to disagreements some people will start a serious fight because the other person disagrees with them and that's the thing 
the reason fighting is good, especially when you use these healthy techniques to manage them, which in the gray man world, you don't fight, but you may argue over stuff, especially when you're training them or trying to get them to do stuff. You recruit this guy. You want him to go do this. And most of the time, it's not a big deal. But sometimes you run into that guy who's not going to want to do it or he does too much. Holy cow. I remember this dude. I remember this source more than I remember the target, but that was like the number one source for my brigade. We J-damned his ass. This guy was following the dude around. He would like stand next to him like he's on the phone, take photos with him with the, with the phone, a couple other photos of the area, and text him to his handler, a low-level military intelligence soldier, and be like, hey, come kill this dude. Hey, come get this. We're like, you need to stop that shit. It got to the point where everybody wanted to recruit him so they could tell him what to do, and we're like, don't do that. You want to record him to tell him to do the stuff he's already doing. We're trying to get him to slow down on, and we have to take him out of the game to do training and all this other stuff. We don't have time for that shit. Just let him fucking do it. He dies, he dies. We need to decide we want to kill this dude. And we killed him that day. But he was doing too much. He created a problem. It created an argument. This dude's like, I'll go talk to the CIA. I'll go talk to somebody else. Fighting is there. But through proper conflict resolution and working your way through this, which can be hard at first, but gets easier over time if you both put in the effort, you actually can build intimacy and closeness. doesn't have to be sexual. And don't pick a fight for makeup sex, right? Unless it's a game you two play, like you look at your wife and be like, did, did you seriously just put a, a glass of water in the sink without dumping it out? And she's like, oh my God, I'm so naughty. And you're like, you're a bad girl, come with me. If you have that little game, knock yourself out. But don't pick real fights and problems just to have makeup sex. Because especially, I've never heard of a man doing it, but I bet they have. I've heard of women doing this only a couple of times. But ladies, I'm telling you, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, and this is a woman who likes to pick fights, do makeup sex, don't do that. They're going to resent you. Just go to them and tell them what you want to do to them or to have them do to you, and he's going to be all about it. Now, another thing, too, is when you're not spending time together, especially when you start enjoying spending time apart. What do I mean by that? I have an extended family member who, gosh, I, I have seen, this, seen her intermittently throughout my life, but I got to see her a few months ago. And I was like, because I hear bits and pieces about my cousins and they're married or they had kids and then they got divorced or they moved. They got to, you hear pieces like that, but she got divorced and she'd been married for a long time, had kids. She was a really good photographer, still is, I'm sure. Got these cool medical jobs. She'd been traveling, got to do a lot of cool stuff. Sounded like life was happy and successful. And then I find out she's divorced. So just in order to show in, I did this to show interest, but to try to get to know her a little more because I didn't feel awkward around her, but we didn't have any real conversations and we needed to have a real conversation that was unrelated to this. So I decided to, I want to try having a real conversation with her. She tells me to fuck off. No problem. I said, okay, I got a, I got a question for you. Just, I go, this is just my own curiosity. She says, yeah. I said, why'd you get divorced? And she says, well, so I have this job and I'm traveling. You know, I'm going to this city, I'm going to that city, I go for this long and then I come home. And uh, I realized it actually wasn't as hard on my relationship as, a, as people probably would think it normally would be or you would hear. But 
And she started talking about what she'd travel and what she would do and the money got she paid and what her job was like. And she'd get to go do this and get to do this. And it was really fun. And she'd go home. And then once or twice or something, her husband wanted to go or she invited him and brought him. And it like sucked. Like she didn't want him there. And realized she liked traveling a lot. And things were not as well in her relationship as she realized some things were probably worse than she thought. And she went into more detail about this, but she covered it to this point and she quit taking them. And then it just got to the point where she's like, I love my life. I love what I'm doing. I am happy and full of joy. And it really has helped me realize how unhappy I've been and the differences and the issues that are there. And she laid some about and said, I realized she goes, it didn't happen like overnight, but I realized I was way past the point of counseling and discussions and that our relationship was done. And that's why she got divorced. Now, I'm not saying it has to go that far because there's times you need to be apart in a relationship, especially when it's not the gray man type. You should have your own things. That's great because it gives you the opportunity to show interest. Maybe you go do something with that person every once in a while. It's like the video. I remember seeing this on a YouTube thing, but they're talking about video games. The girl's like, I'll see death play video games. You know, or it's like, well, he was playing them, but you wanted to go do something else. Fun fact, you could just sit down and say, hey, show me how to play this game. Dude would love it chick would love it if you're a dude or if you're two dudes it doesn't matter occasionally take interest in something they're doing and try it out even if it's that one time that type of interest and spending time together like that is quality because relationships aren't about time or money or contracts they are a series of experiences we are so willing to create talk about and emphasize the negative experiences and take no ownership in them but take little effort in showing, creating, developing positive memories and experiences. And why? Usually because we're nervous or insecure or shy. Isn't it funny that we're insecure to try something that might make us feel better or make the relationship better, but we're not insecure to go talk trash or betray their trust behind their back? Humans are weird creatures, and I'm one too. I've done it all. I've done all the bad stuff, I'm just saying. Not all the bad stuff, but that bad stuff. One of the big ones, too, this is happens a lot to men, but it's not always that way. I've Plenty of men do it to people, too. And there's, there's places like debate forums, depending on how it's managed, this could matter or is necessary in a courtroom. But this is a terrible, terrible thing. And it needs to, it's going to happen, right? It's when it's constant. Or it's constant enough to the person that it's happening to that they see it's a problem. They need to bring it up and talk about it and explain why. Because if they don't, it will become a bigger problem. And if it keeps happening, it's going to lead to resentment and a lot of other things that will fail the relationship. And that's interrupting the other person. Interrupting people is a sign of disrespect. And there's times, like I know, like me and David from DMR Publications, we both hate it, but we're both aware that when we're talking or like we do a live show, we'll interrupt each other. But I think we've just learned how to flow well enough that we, and we don't really lose track of where the conversation was going. We keep it going. So stuff like that can be acceptable because we've even talked about that. But in a relationship, what will happen when it's happening constantly is just disrespect. And here's what you're telling the person. Here's what you're showing, okay? And remember, a lot of stuff we do is subconscious, but here's what's really happening. A person wants to make a statement. They have a thought. Partway through that thought, you are ready to respond because you've had a thought to a certain point. 
You're disrespecting them by not allowing them to repeat that thought. Forgetting that it's okay to have you repeat part of that statement again, to have a structured, healthy conversation. But you cut them off and interrupt them, cut them off to respond. What you're telling them is, is you're not listening to hear what they have to say. You're not listening to understand or try to show empathy. You're just listening to respond and to argue and to fight. And that's how it's going to be taken. And that's where the fight starts. Okay, the fight doesn't start with the old statement of, my wife wanted me to take the romantic meal where they make the food in front of you, and I took her to Subway, and that's where the fight began. As awesome as a real story like that would be, it starts the way I described when we're interrupting people, and we keep doing it constantly and showing that disrespect, especially if they bring it up, and then you just cut them off again and try to do it, and all they want you to do is hear them. People can always repeat themselves because when you escalate it, then emotions get involved. We reach emotional point of failure. Maybe adrenaline gets involved. Now, why terrible things could happen, what really could happen is we just are losing track of our mental stimulus and what's really going on, and we can't repeat ourselves. So it's better to do that more calm, cool, and collected. That shows respect. That shows interest in what they're saying. That shows you're taking them seriously. When you're interrupting them, you're doing the exact opposite. The other thing is winning arguments. Part of the things we do when we work with these people is... We don't coerce them. That's illegal. But we do try to persuade them many times. Persuade and influence. Part of that has to come with dealing with arguments appropriately and maybe not trying to win. Maybe showing them how they can win. But a lot of people, they fight to win arguments. They don't care if they're right. They don't care if they're accurate. They want to win. People talk a lot of time about women being great archaeologists by nature because they're great at digging up the past. And while I've seen that happen more often than not from a woman's point of view... What I have seen almost every time that I've seen it from a guy and some of the times I've seen it from a woman is they're just trying to win an argument. They see something that reminds them of a past argument and they see it as the same thing and their desired nature to just win and have it over with and be declared the victor helps them bring that up because they think of that as ammunition, not realizing that we're talking about now, not realizing that it shows a lack of compromise or respect not realizing that these discussions aren't about winning, they're about resolving. Should be resolving, reaching an understanding, a joint partnership conclusion, instead of trying to win by becoming adversaries. If you're trying to win or beat the other person and you're not playing a board game, that's not teamwork. So just like I said earlier, if you're trying to win, you're not playing on the same team. And you're causing the destruction. And so that's something that needs to be discussed and worked out. Another thing is fighting, bitching, whatever you want to call it, in public. Or flirting with other people, whether it's behind their back or in public. Are huge signs that there's a lack of trust. There's some game playing going on, some tension seeking, and somebody is failing. And actually, in both cases, it's both people. Fighting in public where you don't have that kind of self-control and you just keep going after each other... Part of the reason is other that it is bad, really bad, isn't just because people see you. You bitch out in the parking lot and they see you, then you go in the store. You'll actually treat people shitty. I've seen people get treated pretty shitty in stores, probably ones that have ended up on YouTube, and then seen them go outside or get next to somebody else in the store and realize they're in a shitty mood, reached the emotional point of failure pretty close because they're in a fight with this other person right now in public, can't control that shit, and they're taking it out on other people not realizing it. You know, or it's just like 
don't know. You break up with somebody, so you take out a, take it out on a person close to you. Treat them like shit instead of dealing with your own issues because you're insecure. That stuff happens. And the flirting. Why? Like, if a girl, I've told, this is the only thing I saw as a red flag early that I understood that I told people was a no-go area. If a girl tells you she's a flirt, you fucking say no and walk away. I don't care how beautiful she is. She's a fucking hoe is what she is. Flirting is not an acceptable behavior unless you're doing it for reasons such as trying to date, get somebody's attention, get laid, whatever, something along those lines. But once you're with somebody, you shouldn't be flirting with other people. You shouldn't be doing it to try to get their attention. You shouldn't be doing it to try to see how they react. You shouldn't be doing it to try to see if they'll stand up for you. You're playing games. You're causing them insecurity or toying with their emotions. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes they don't have those issues. They're just like, fuck it, and they don't pay attention to you, and you get pissed. But here's the thing. They realize they have value. You don't respect them, so they're like, do whatever. And you're the problem. Don't flirt with other people. That's just fucked up. In the same way, when you're doing the gray man thing, the fighting in public should be obvious. You want to keep things calm, cool, and collected, and not to draw attention to yourself. I think that goes without saying. Flirting is something that can happen, but we flirt with ideas or we flirt. Uh, tell them the essentially we're going to be flirting with talking to another person or going another direction. Something that might be acceptable in a detainee interrogation experience and the conversation of what we're going to do to get information might work. But when you're not in that confined area where they don't have control of their lives... It's a very dangerous thing to do, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to flirt with ideas. We don't want to flirt with new things that we're not prepared for, haven't traded for. We don't want to flirt with the idea that we'll go talk to the other guy. Because you don't know how they're going to react, and you assume if they don't react badly in front of you that it's going to go your way, and that's not how it's going to play out. They're just going to go sell secrets to the other guy who might be your enemy. Another big one is money. The gray man thing's pretty simple. A lot of these people are compensated, especially financially, and those are conversations that come up at a certain time, even if they're subtle. If you don't have those conversations and expectations aren't laid out and possible rewards or whatever, paychecks, that can cause issues. I've seen it cause problems many times, even if they're just incentives, things we give people that aren't financial but are compensation, even as simple as cigarettes during an interrogation. In relationships, it's important. I've seen people in businesses not talk about relationships. In fact, I was going to do some stuff with a business a year ago. That may have led to many other business opportunities for me that I forego and left because of their internal financial issues they weren't talking about that involved criminal activity that they handled in a completely wrong way, even though it's all solved, because of things they were already doing anyway that probably weren't okay that would get them in trouble. And yeah, this business is more successful now, but now they have this situation that it still exists. It, the potential for it to happen again still exists, and guess what? It will. It will at some point, and they won't handle it appropriately then because it'll be a bigger problem if they handle it appropriately and bring up the history but they won't do it then because they didn't do it the first time in personal relationships or but you know it can be too especially when money matters like just going out to lunch with friends you might want to have an established standard on how we spit the bill you know or making sure people understand i can't afford to eat here this week and that's okay to say and if they're really your friends they should be okay with that too or perhaps other conversations like that especially romantic ones Everybody involved in the relationship, so you say you're in a marriage or you're might as well be because you're living together, there should be an understanding, some basic understanding, at least how our living expenses work, how they're going to be divided that we both agree on. But especially when you get to the point of marriage, we should be looking at things like investments and debt and credit accounts and credit scores and the future and you know college funds and whatever it is. 
Everybody should know how to find these things, how to get access to them, how to get the money, how to pay the bills. I get why that scares some people, but it causes a problem. There was a guy one time who wrote a book, and one of the things he wrote in there is the three most common things that are most important to determine the success or failure in a relationship, which I wholeheartedly believe, because I've seen them all, is communication, sex, and money. Now, while communication is clear, and we're talking about money now, I'm definitely not bringing sex up in this podcast because that should never be a conversation or something to do with your source or asset if you're out there playing gray man or the weird chance a pro is listening to me, which is highly unlikely. Well, maybe one of my former students. Don't be fucking your sources. You know who I'm talking to. You know who you are. Right? But the last thing I'll mention is probably the one probably the one that signals the end, but could also be uh, the longest stretch once we reach this point before the end comes. And that's when we stop trying, stop trying anything. Because I mentioned earlier, the things about arguments, I think I said this anyway, the thing about say like arguing, arguing is trying. Even if you're fighting and doing it incorrectly, you're, you're still trying. You may not realize it, but you're trying to save the relationship because you're trying to communicate. Even if you don't know how to do it right. When you're stopped trying, you're done. Things like silence, silence treatment, lack of affection, lack of touch, if, if those are appropriate to the type of relationship, you know, not attending meetings anymore, not being the same way in communication methods. It might be email, you know, if it's not, a, say, a romantic relationship where we've just thrown in the town and said, fuck it. And a lot of people in those situations just aren't prepared to leave. It's like some people say women have, you know, if they break up, they've been checked out for three or four months. If a chick's been checked out for three or four months and stayed in there, she's a piece of shit. Because what it shows is she's lacked direct communication. She's made minimal attempt at resolving anything. She has not left the relationship because she's insecure in some fashion. One, she's looking for a better opportunity. Two, she's looking for another version of a free ride. Three, she's not capable of taking care of herself. Four, she's trying to get more out of the person there. And don't get me wrong, guys can do this too. Just most time you hear about guys, it's usually what we'd call more famous guys that are basically got sugar mamas, but they're doing, typically they're doing these types of things. Bad things is why they're still there. And they're looking for somebody, some reason, and they're doing things to maybe cause you to react. Like they're going to go cheat and probably get caught, but then say you're spying on them and make you the bad guy and break up. But say it was your really something along these lines that are absolutely terrible. If you are checked out and you are done trying I would suggest two options. One option is if we haven't done already professional counseling, even if it's only yourself, the second option is a timeline. A timeline you set, and this is communication you should share. Like one of them I read about once was the advice, or it was about this married couple. And while all kinds of things have been seemed fine, seemed normal, all the little things were going on, there's no other flags. The woman stopped having sex with the guy. And he did a lot of reading. Why would this happen? One reason, of course, is infidelity. He was concerned about that. Tried to talk to her about it. You know, after trying to have sex, wouldn't do it. So one day he just started packing his bags and walking him out to the car. And she's like, freaking out. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, we have not been having sex for several months. I have tried to talk to you about it repeatedly and you will not talk to me. So I'm going to stay in a hotel for a couple of weeks. So I have time to clear time to myself to make some decisions and when I make those decisions I'm going to come back and tell you what they are and he fucking left and they stayed married because that shit got worked out real quick 
Not that it was a threat, not that he was trying to scare her. It was the advice he got from a therapist and told him what to think about and what to decide and why he needed time to herself and why it was smart to be the one that left to leave her there. So she had everything just fine. Don't mess with money or anything to fuck around in case he decides for the divorce. And with steps on how to move forward at an acceptable pace with acceptable progress. And that's what he did. So he established a timeline, and for him it was two weeks, and he shared that, which was important. So those are the things really to look at, one or two or both, if that becomes an issue. In the gray man world, that's simply, we got all kinds of people we can talk to about the relationships, whether or not we're going to terminate them. Sometimes we're instructed to terminate them so we understand what we're doing them for and why, and we take a look at that. Sometimes we set up timelines and things like, you know, even if this guy's been a good source of information, he hasn't come around, but I don't think he's dead. Blah, blah, blah. Trying to get information. He doesn't come around. We're like, fuck it. We're done. Shows the next time. That's like, great. That's great information, but don't come here anymore. We're done with you. You know, here were the rules. You didn't follow the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera. So these things happen. Some of these were things I was taught. I tried to knock them down into much simpler things to make sense to most people for regular relationships to explain why they're important to the gray man concept and where they come from and show you not only how maybe you can use them for yourself, which I was somewhat inspired to do this now because of the feedback I read you on a previous podcast from when I did the stress, anxiety, and depression, but also by seeing them from the gray man point of view of how they can be applied to almost any type of relationship. This might be something you can apply yourself. Maybe it's to new clients. Maybe it's that one day client who's buying the cars you're selling there's things you can do in those relationships, even if they're short-term professional ones, even if it's a simple sale in a store, that you can use. You're not going to be able to knock all these out, even in a long one-day car negotiation. But some of these are going to help you out to build those successful relationships. Because you know what? If you sell cars, that's really great. If you sell cars, it makes some money. But it's better if you make a customer, and it's better if that customer makes you 10 more. Because the whole thing, no matter what you're doing it for, relationships need to be lived with intent, even our romantic ones. And we often don't do that. We'll try to develop them and we'll never manage them because we don't know how or don't try. We don't communicate and work together to manage it properly. Like a lot of people don't manage as businesses. And then we scramble at the end when it's failing to try to maintain and what are you trying to maintain? You never managed anything. There's nothing there to maintain. You're going back to the beginning. That's why every time people have failing relationships, even business ones, but especially personal ones, they, everything they try to do to save it is go back to the beginning. What was it was like in the beginning? What was in the beginning? Just like people say, oh, you know, people changed after this far, this point in the relationship. Yeah, you know why? Because they know how to develop it. They don't know, they know how to maintain it because you're still there, but they don't know how to manage it and improve it and grow it. And guess what? You probably don't either. Maybe, maybe today you learned how. 